Get ready to enjoy an earful of auditory indulgence as you explore Tom Moon's book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die, presented in cooperation with Workman Publishing. Hey everybody, welcome to the 1,000 Recordings podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Joseph Landman, and with us every week is our co-host, the chivalrous Mitchell Davis. (laughs) Hello, how's it going? How's it going, man? Good, good. It's been a while. Yeah, it has. Uh, we've been busy. You went to Vegas. Yep. And you saw Sade. Oh yeah, she's just uh, she's uh, she's awesome. That that band is awesome too. Just it was my first time in Vegas. Uh, had a good time. My wife and I both had a great time. Yes. Uh, really, lots of fun. Really want to go back. Uh, yeah, Vegas is awesome. Yeah, had you seen her before? Or was this your first time? Uh, I saw her here in Houston at the Woodlands about ten years ago, okay. and uh, it seems like that's Sade's cycle now, where you know every ten years album tour and then you know ten year break. I guess I, you know, I guess she's got it like that. But uh, yeah, that was that was a great experience. Uh, the, the place where we saw her. Um, uh, was uh, the, the MGM Grand the the acoustics in that place were great? Uh, that band is, they, her band is just they're just unreal. They you can tell they've been together for a long time and and they have great chemistry, but they're not they're not stale at yeah. all. Uh, definitely, would, if you haven't seen Sade, go see Sade. Get an opportunity. She's it's worth it's worth it. You know, it's it was great. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the Woodlands, man. I I forgot about. I think the last concert I saw at the Woodlands was uh, Megadeth. Oh wow, <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. Um, Say so, yeah, that must have been a good while. I can't. I'm trying to imagine Megadeth. Well, I guess they still have shows like that, you know. But that that I was gonna say that must have been a good while ago. Oh yeah, I mean it was. Um, that show was probably. Oh man, ninety one maybe. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, this yeah, I was. Oh, it was many summers ago. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was. Um, but uh, we've got a, another cool show uh, as always, um, and uh, you know we're just gonna take you through these albums, and you can uh, experience them with us. Um, and uh, on this week's show, we've got Venezuelan dance band Los Amigos Invisibles. I know I was going to mess that up. Invisibles, uh, Los Amigos Invisibles, or The Invisible Friends. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Pretty unusual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and we've got uh, uh, Boogie Woogie Jazz Pianist, um, Albert Ammons and Mead Lux Lewis. Uh, we've got Marion Anderson, uh, an opera singer and uh singer but you know really uh obviously uh very important singer of the 20th century especially in uh in opera but also a a really unbelievably important person in civil rights for sure yeah, yeah. um yeah. you know i i never um read about her before i'd heard uh, of her as a singer uh prior to the book but when I went to read about her and about her life, um, man, this is uh, 
she's one very very important person um, yeah sure yeah um so we'll be uh, listening to a couple tracks from her uh we'll be listening to the house of the rising sun by the animals this is a the first example of tom moon putting in a specific song instead of a whole album he does this a couple times throughout the book when he wants the readers to really hear a specific song over a specific album so yeah. we'll be listening to that and the final album is selected ambient works 85 to 92 of aphex twin um otherwise known as richard d james and uh that'll be some cool stuff there so again yeah wide ranging and <laughs> yeah styles and genres which is just it's fine by me i love that oh yeah i love it too that's that's exactly how i like to listen to music i just love to put my itunes or whatever on shuffle and i love but, not knowing what's going to come next so yeah yeah um it i think it uh makes my wife laugh sometimes at, uh, at what? I, I get i get a little bit of that too where my my wife will ask the inevitable question what are you listening to <laughs> <laughs> yep and yep. you know you just have to explain you know for, for better or for worse either it's something that you get or you don't you know and so but that's yeah. always fun. oh that happened just yesterday um we were listening to stuff and then um this track came up and i know you remember this from this band osric tentacles oh yeah oh yeah i remember that. and you know she asked the question just like you said you know what is this and i told her uh, i remembered that you and i went to this concert in houston at the vatican at the vatican <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah yeah it was a cool concert that was amazing. Yeah, that that was a great show. I I I, I for, actually I'd forgotten that that we were together at that show. I, I remember going, but I forgot that you were there I, until you just said that. And um, yeah, but that was an amazing show. Uh, just and you know it's funny. I remember I, I went with someone, but I couldn't remember because I knew I didn't go with my my wife or my first wife at the time. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was crazy. I I was blown away by them uh-huh yeah they had this like crazy psychedelic light show and it was a cool concert but uh anyway to get back on track um this time <laughs> <laughs> uh we're gonna start with los amigos invisibles uh from their album arepa 3000 a venezuelan journey into space and uh they're you know heavily i would say heavily influenced by parliament funkadelic um and other bands like Jamiroquai and uh, Disco and, and also uh, kind of native Latin genres. Yeah, I, I, you the first one you said when you, when you talked about P-Funk, I, I definitely would agree with that. They, they are not afraid to, to cross, you know, genre boundaries, if you will, where they, you know, they, they have, you know, a merengue type sound one minute and then real funk the next and then like you said disco and then rock and they just they'll just play whatever so it seems to me you know when i've, I've listened to some of their stuff and that 
especially when you go see someone like that live, that can be a lot of fun. Oh yeah. I mean, that's what I've read about them that keeps coming up is that there is this, they're this amazing live band, which is always great to see, you know, bands that excel live and, and just, you know, bands that, uh, are only good in the studio kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. This band can really play. And, uh, I'd love to, I've obviously never seen them live, but I'd love to see this band live. Same here. I mean, another group that came to my mind was, uh, was fishbone. They, um, they're just one of those groups that, you know, they're, they're great in the studio, but they are unbelievable live. I mean, they're just one of those bands over the years, you know, and it's been a while since I've seen fishbone live, but, uh, they, they're just, they kill it when when they're on stage. I mean, they're just very active and and you know horns and 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 you know plenty of crazy percussion and you know I, I love Fishbone Live. You know, mm-hmm. but they they kind of seem to have that same spirit where you know they can just take you know whatever they like you know music wise and and just interpret it to where you know you know you can appreciate what they're doing. You know. Yeah. Well, let's check out the first track. We're going to play this track, Keiriko. Um, this track really reminds me, kind of reminds me of Jamiroquai, sort of the Venezuelan Jamiroquai, but uh, I don't know. Let's just, let's just check it out. All right. All right. This is Keiriko from Los Amigos Invisibles. to masturbation session <laughs> that's right uh, hey, and you you know if we pick a song with a title like that that the song has to be good <laughs> yeah yeah this isn't this isn't a crap song and we picked it just because of the title uh, it's a it's yeah it's a great tune it uh, reminds me of again reminds me of p-funk yeah, what do you think? Yeah, very, very much so. I mean, it, it, when I first uh, heard the tune, and you know, I, I, I looked at the title and I was like, really, you know. But then, you know, I started hearing the songs. Like, man, this sounds good. I mean, it, 
it, it's just like par- Parliament Jamiroquai sounding groove, you know, where it it was slick, but um, you know, not too slick, I guess if that's that's the way to say it. I mean, yeah. I I really enjoyed uh, this one more than than the, the previous. And like I said, when I when I first saw the title, I was like, you know, should we really pick that song? I mean, I guess you know. It'd be fine, but I mean, it, it was such a good song. I mean, I, I, I was thinking we we have to play this, you know, because it's it's one of the the better songs that I I'd heard from them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one thing about their music that I liked. That you kind of mentioned is that it's not super polished to a high sheen. It's almost like um, uh, if you take P Funk and Jamiroquai and then throw Jackass into the mix. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of the vibe that I get from them. Yeah, there there definitely is a is a is a comical, you know, kind of twisted smile element to to yeah. some of them. And I mean, you know, I don't I don't really speak Spanish, but you know, you can tell they're they're not taking themselves too seriously. You know, yeah, yeah, but they are very good. I mean, they're they're not sloppy. You know, yeah, that's exactly it. They don't take themselves seriously. They have fun, but they're a serious band that can seriously play. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. All right, so let's check this one out. Masturbation session. just heard masturbation session by los amigos invisibles and uh, we're going to move on to albert ammons and mead lux lewis from their album the first day this album was released in 1939 so it was the first widely released album of boogie woogie piano and really helped start this craze in the late 30s early 40s for boogie woogie um yeah. yeah yeah did you uh what did you think of this i love it the the boogie woogie style music that that i've been influenced by or have listened to uh is, is usually you know based mainly around piano and um 
you know, what I heard was, you know, you know, pretty much, you know, along the lines of, of what I expected, you know, boogie woogie music to sound like, you know, kind of, you know, fast, almost, you know, like you see a guy playing the piano with just one hand and, um, you know, at times and just, you know, like blues and, you know, mixed in with a, a, a little soul, but mostly kind of bluesy and, and, and jazzy sounding. And, yeah. Um, you know, the, the two songs that I think we're going to listen to, one's kind of upbeat and one's kind of fast. I mean, one kind, one's kind of upbeat and one's kind of slow, I should say. Um, and that's, you know, indicative of how that boogie woogie style could be. I mean, it could be either really, really up tempo or it could be really, really, you know, down tempo or so to, so to speak. Or right? if that makes sense, I don't know if that does make yeah. sense. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, this style of piano is definitely um, in the same lineage as like uh, ragtime piano and stride piano that came before it, um, you know, with all these syncopated rhythms uh, going on and, um, you know, really active bass lines. I mean, one of the, the first track we're going to listen to is called Bass Going Crazy. It's a you know, pretty aptly titled track. Um, this is Albert Ammons himself. Uh, so this album, it was, oh, I'm trying to set this up. It, it was um, about half Albert Ammons solo and then about half Mead Lux Lewis solo. And then there were two or three duets. So both of these guys playing piano four hands Um and uh, so we're going to listen to one of those, but uh, first we're going to listen to Bass Going Crazy. And the uh, circumstances of this album and how it got made is in uh, 1939, uh, apparently there was a concert um, at Carnegie Hall and uh, it exposed these New York audiences to this music for the first time ever. Um, and there was a guy at the show uh producer Alfred Lyon, he heard these two pianists and recorded them in one day in a rented studio. And just from this recording, he released this album uh, that year, 1939. Uh, oh, I should say 1938. He released this album and it became the very first release of the Blue Note label. Wow. So that's the birth of Blue Note right there. The, the birth of Blue Note. This is, this is the birth of Blue Note right here. And if uh, the listeners, if you guys aren't familiar with Blue Note, it became a major, major label in blues and jazz. Um, I've, I'm pretty sure they're, are they still going? Today? Oh, yeah, yeah. There's still people that record for, for Blue Note. Yeah. You know, they, they have a, they still have a, a pretty good stable of artists. Oh, yeah. Just uh, as of recently, I know Cassandra Wilson was still with them, I think. Uh, well, she may not be with them now. I know she... She had a couple of records just uh, in the last, I'd say, like, you know, 15 years that were really, really good on that label. Uh, Lou Rawls, I think, when when he passed, I think he was still with Blue Note Records. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're still going. They, they haven't stopped. Oh, no. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's amazing, especially for a record label. I mean, record labels usually come and go pretty quickly. But uh, Blue Note has been around since 1938 and is still going strong. So that's that's amazing accomplishment yeah. for a label. And yeah. yeah, this is the recording that started it. So let's check out this first track and uh, hear what we're getting into. 
This is Bass Going Crazy by Albert Ammons. We just heard bass going crazy from Albert Ammons, and we're going to move on to one of their duets. So Albert Ammons and Mead Lux Lewis on the piano, um, you know, both guys sitting at the same piano, one playing the high end, one playing the low end. Uh, this piece is called Nagasaki, and it's a, uh, you know, it's a cool piece of uh, uh, boogie woogie. There's some jazz in there, some improvisation. And uh, it's called Nagasaki. I just thought it was interesting that it was called Nagasaki. This, this is obviously before, you know, yeah, World yeah. War II. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's before, Jap- you know, I think maybe or right when Japanese aggression was starting. But uh, it's obviously before the destruction of Nagasaki. And so I don't know the story behind this of why it's called Nagasaki. But... Um, yeah, what'd you think of this tune? I I, I like it. I, I I like both of those. I mean, they, you know, they definitely, you know, were very talented musicians. I mean, the to to keep time with each other and and I, I the the thing I love about um, the their style is is when it it got really frantic. You know, it never seemed to get you know off track. I mean, they they just seemed like they were you know right in tune with each other and. Um, yeah, I'm definitely curious about that title too. I I really didn't look into that, but uh, you know, that's that's definitely something to 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 think about. You know, why would they why do they call it that? Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I did look into it some, and I I couldn't find the answer. But um, so hey, if any listener out there knows, you know, email us and let us know <laughs> if you know why this tune is called Nagasaki. Um, but yeah. That's a good point you bring up. You know, when you're playing this kind of music and, it, you know, you know if anybody out there has ever played music with other people, especially music that is highly syncopated and highly rhythmic, you know, these two guys are playing this at a breakneck pace. Yes. And it's so 
rhythmically locked in. It's almost like these two guys have to be of one mind to stay rhythmically locked in like this. Um, Yeah. So, yeah. So let's, let's check it out. Uh, Nagasaki by Albert Ammons and Mead Lux Lewis. Saki by Albert Ammons and Mead Lux Lewis from their 1939 Blue Note release, The First Day. And we're going to move on to Spirituals by Marian Anderson. And Marian Anderson was, you know, really highly important singer of the 20th century. Uh, she lived from 1897 to 1993, had a nice long life. She died when she was 96. Uh, but she was equally, if not more important in the civil rights movement over um, the course of the 20th century. And like I was telling you uh, before we started the show, I, di- I didn't know this. I had heard Marian Anderson um, as a singer before this book, but I didn't know any of the civil rights stuff until I started actually reading up on her, you know, for this show. And yeah. man, I was blown away by uh, her importance in the movement and, and just how uh, prominent she was and for so many years. And, and she really uh, became important in civil rights pretty early on in the movement. Yeah. And I, I think um, the, the Lincoln Memorial, uh, performance it definitely you know it galvanized her as 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 far as her role in, in civil rights in that time where you know no one would ever be able to you know 
forget what she had done, you know. I mean, anyway, especially anybody that was that came up in that era, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, just reading, you know, like you said, reading up on her, you know, it was there was a situation where she was supposed to have sing at a function and and a group that was there. Uh, they all were like, you know, no, we don't want her. We're, we're not going to show up. And, and Eleanor Roosevelt, uh, I guess the first lady at the time, you know, was a member of that group. She she canceled her membership and, you know, basically arranged for Marian Anderson to sing at at the Lincoln Memorial on a, on a different day where, I mean, it, you know, if you ever see like the footage, it was a huge turnout, you know, and, um, you know, a lot of people had never been exposed to her or music uh, of that type before. So it was it was really, really uh, a really an important event. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was a huge in your face from yeah. the first lady <laughs> to the <laughs> daughters of the American Revolution. There you go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, th- that was an amazing uh, thing that she did. And um yeah, she, uh, Marian Anderson sang for, well, se- I guess 75,000 were in attendance. And in addition, it was being broadcast on the radio to millions. Yeah. 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 So it was, yeah, it was very, very significant. Um, Marian Anderson, just, just very classy, so much grace and style. Just a, I mean, if you see pictures of her, I mean, she was just a gorgeous lady. I mean, and then just could, could sing. You know her octave range. Apparently, she could she would learn like when she was singing in church choirs, according to the book. You know, all the different parts. I mean, the 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 soprano, alto, bass, and tenor parts of every song. So she was basically like a singer, but a director as well in a lot of ways, I guess. And uh, and just had that type of voice where she could she could sing all the parts if she had to. You know, which is rare. You know that everybody can. Anybody can just go and sing all four of those parts well, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, well, let's check out the first track. Uh, this is from this album, Spirituals, uh, and this particular one is Deep River. So why don't we just check this one out and then we can talk some more when we come back? Okay, great. All right, so this is Deep River by Marian Anderson. <laughs> Thank you. 
That was Deep River by Marion Anderson. Um, yeah, what did you think of that one? Uh, just, just beautiful. Uh, you know, her her voice with the the piano accompaniment. I mean, it's you know, just I, I just love it. I mean, it's it's not a something I listen to every day, but you know, when you when you hear it, you know, you 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 feel so much emotion coming from her. Where you know, you think about what what she's singing about and and I mean the I guess the origin of what you would call a Negro spiritual you know I mean you know most of it uh it's pretty somber you know I mean you know and if you think about you know what was going on I mean you know slavery and then even post-slavery I mean it, it was just a very hard hard brutal existence yeah and um for a lot of people you know Negro spiritual was you know the meditation so to speak or the you know, the only bright light, you know, to to help get through what they were going through. I mean, I I can only imagine. I mean, just you know, I'm, I'm sure it was not easy. I, I'm sure it was it was awful. Well, know? yeah, man. All you got to do is read about her life and see, you know, like what kind of unbelievable racism they just had to contend with every day, just on a daily yeah. basis. Um, it even says uh, about. I mean, this is just one example. Um, but about her mother, uh, who had briefly attended a Virginia seminary and college in Lynchburg. Uh, and then she worked as a school teacher in Virginia. Then when they moved to uh, Philadelphia, she was apparently um, unable to teach because they had passed a law that said if you have not completed a, deg- a degree, you cannot teach. But this law was applied only to black teachers and not to white ones. Wow. So I know it's just it's like, like what the what the hell are people thinking? But um, yeah, they just had to contend with with this kind of stuff just all the time, and, and yeah. she and she did too, you know. Um, and uh, so what she went on to accomplish was, it was it was amazing what she went on yeah. to accomplish. I I just wanted to uh, um, just give a couple things. Uh, she eventually became um a delegate to the United Nations uh, Human Rights Committee and uh, traveled the world as a goodwill ambassadress for the U.S. Department of State. Um, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1963, Kennedy Center Honors in 1978, National yeah. Medal of Arts in 86, a Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award in 91. And this is one that I thought was really interesting. Uh, her picture is on the five thousand dollar U.S. bond. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so she's on money. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. Um, so uh, yeah. So uh, the next track we're gonna uh, listen to from this is "Crucifixion," right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, yeah. What do you think of this one? Well, again, going back to, you know, roots of the Negro spiritual, I mean, they 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 had so many songs that, you know, basically would focus on, you know, you know, suffrage and then and then after suffrage reward of, of going to heaven. And I, I believe, you know, a, a lot of that was was very necessary because, you know, if, if 
things are as bleak as they are, you know, during slavery, I mean, you, you got to have something, you know, I mean, and this for a lot of people, you know, now may not have seemed like very much, but for people who were, you know, basically living in those times, I mean, this, this was maybe it, you know, and I mean, it's, I, I think a lot of it is kind of reflective on, on the way churches have kind of developed now. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely not the same. Um, yeah. But for a lot of slaves, I mean, church was, was it. I mean, worship was it. And I mean, you know, this, this song is just one of those songs that, you know, focuses on, you know, the death and, and or crucifixion, I should say, of, of Jesus and, and his resurrection and, um, you know, I, I really love this song because it, it shows off her range again, where she, she could sing, you know, from both ends where she could take her voice really, really low or then take it really, really high. I mean, yeah, you know, and, and then sound good on both ends. Like I said, which is, it's very rare. You find a voice like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think it's important to mention, you know, and not just for this recording, but of any kind of, I, I would say, quote unquote, historical recording that we play. Um, so you really got to approach these as, you know, historical recordings and not apply modern singing sensibility, like retroactively to these recordings. Yeah. You know, it was a different world. And I mean, people sang, they didn't sing the same. The, no. Wow. They didn't sing the same. Sorry. As, nope. as, as today, you know, so you got to listen to it with historical ears yeah, no, um, no tune and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And... <laughs> yep, yep. Um, so uh, let's check this out. Uh, the second track from Marian Anderson album Spirituals. Uh, this is Crucifixion. They pierced him in the Yeah. 
was crucifixion by marian anderson and we're going to move on to the animals house of the rising sun so again this is not an album it's uh the track house of the rising sun released in 1964 a huge hit for the animals and uh again one of the uh first songs i learned on guitar (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so you know this is one of those heavily story driven kind of songs. Um, there's a lot of those from the sixties and, uh, what do you, I don't know what, what's your history with this song? Well, I mean, it's just, it's just one of those songs that, I mean, if you listen to the radio at all, I mean, you, you're familiar with, yeah. And I mean, you know, the, it's, it's almost like, a like a, a storytelling song, where it's it's precautionary just you know i mean obviously you know the 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 song i guess is about a a a girl going to to new orleans and you know kind of getting into some some trouble you know i i I guess where um you know it it, i I, when i think of this song I, i think about like uh like hotel california where it's oh yeah it, yeah it's just like a, a a song that grooves but it's it's just like a like I said a precautionary song so it's like hey you know be careful of certain lifestyles that you find yourself getting into and you know just a, like a warning you know I, I I think that's what I'm trying to say yeah uh, yeah so yeah it gets in it definitely gets into the um, uh, story about somebody who sort of loses their way and gets into the seedy seedier side of New Orleans and yeah. And can't get back out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Alex, like I said, I, that's, that's the first thing that came to my mind was like, you know, this hotel California. It was, it was a lot like that. I just, and, and it's a song like that where you could probably focus on just that one song. It was, it was just that great a song, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, one thing I didn't know about this song prior is that really this is a cover. Um, the original song was uh, recorded years earlier um, in uh, 1934. So, you know, 30 years earlier, it was originally recorded um, by the Smoky Mountain Singers, Clarence, Ashley, and Gwen Foster. Uh, And then uh, after that, people like Nina Simone recorded a version, Bob Dylan recorded a version, but... This is the most famous version of it, the animals version. Yeah. Um, and uh, like it says in, uh, like Tom Moon says in his book, uh, it was modified. So the original version was a story told from a female perspective of uh, following a sort of a no good drunk to New Orleans and, and becoming entangled in prostitution and being unhappy and all that stuff. Uh-huh. Um, they uh, were worried that that was too risque for radio. So they modified it to a song from a male perspective about getting involved in gambling and drinking and just that kind of scene in new Orleans. But, uh, 
as Tom Moon says, and I agree, uh, it really doesn't diminish the power of the song. I don't think. No, I, I don't. I don't think it does either. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just one of, like again, just a you know, just a, a kind of like a beware type you know feeling that you get you know from the song. And I, and, and again, you know, like you said, looking from historical perspective, you know, you know things were were different, somewhat different, you know, but you know, still, you know, getting into trouble is is getting into trouble, you know, uh, now or or whenever. So, mm-hmm. all right, so let's check it out. The mega hit for the animals, House of the Rising Sun. of the rising sun by the animals and we're going to move on to our last album for this week selected ambient works 85 to 92 of aphex twin which is don't be fooled by the twin part it's really just one guy yeah richard d james uh born in ireland raised in england and uh again i i'd I'd heard some aphex twin but I didn't know, uh, admittedly, I didn't know anything about Richard James until I started researching him for this show. And the more I researched him, man, the more impressed I am with this guy. Yeah. Uh, he was truly a child prodigy. Um, and 
some of the works, it, it doesn't really specify which works are from which years. So I, I really don't know, you know, what was written when. But at least one of these tracks on this album is from 1985, which means he was 14 years old. That's crazy. It is. Very, it's it's it is crazy. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, in 92, which would have been the latest uh, track, he would have only been 21. So this would have been work that he produced from age 14 to age 21 you know, self-produced, I have to say, uh, on a four-track cassette recording machine using uh, keyboards and computer, uh, completely self-done, self-produced. I'm just blown away. I mean, I I had a four-track cassette recording machine, you know, when I was about 15 or something, and the recording quality I was able to get out of it was anything close to this uh so you, you know i mean he's obviously uh incredible as a composer and as a you know being able to manipulate technology um just on his own and as a yeah. as a producer and, and to, do, to be able to do all this stuff when you're a kid yeah. i'm just amazed so did a really wild imagination i um I think the first time I'd, I'd heard of of Apex Twin was uh, we we were working here in Houston, and there was a guy that used to work in a bag um, that was playing uh, "I Care Because You Do," which I think is like another uh, compilation of of his. And I I immediately just thought it was just awesome. I mean, just it was there was so many because I liked electronic music. Um, but I had never heard anything quite like him, um, where he had such a, a, a wide variance of sounds. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to kind of look more into what his influences were. I mean, especially being very young and, and probably liking electronic music. I, I imagine, you know, you know, he probably had some crazy influences. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would... I would think, you know, maybe one of the obvious ones would be something like Brian Eno or something, but yeah, maybe, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Brian Eno, um, maybe, maybe John Cage too. Uh, I mean, I, I hear, you know, when I, when I listen to his stuff, that's another person I think of, um, you know, maybe even Philip Glass. I mean, you know, just he, he's got all kinds of stuff going on that, that guy yeah. in, his, not just his audio, but I, I don't know if you've ever seen any of his videos. Um, I, uh, I haven't. They are pretty pretty unusual. Uh, a lot of times he uh, he will superimpose his face uh, on a, a variety of subjects in the videos. A lot like, uh, I don't know if you ever saw Being John Malkovich. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a, you know, a lot of the, the work that's, that's in uh, that movie... Uh, I mean, his videos are the same. As a matter of fact, I mean, it it, it might be a, a situation. I think where Spike Jones did uh, did that movie. I think he's. I think he may have directed some of his videos too. I mean, just just some crazy, crazy stuff that that he comes up with. I mean, he's 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 pretty imaginative. Um, yeah, definitely. And, and uh, on top of that, you know, he really spawned this whole new genre of techno. Yeah. With this called ambient techno. Uh, which is kind of like these 
steady uh, meditative beats accompanied by these kind of ambient soundscapes. You know, they, he creates electronic, electronically, you know, that you can just sort of, I don't know, kind of bliss out to, you know? Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, definitely. I, I think it's, it's techno without the hammer. Uh, right. So, yeah. so much techno when it first came out, they they had a very big hammer. I mean, it was just very stark and and, and very you know aggressive and yeah. And it, he can do that for sure, but uh, most of his stuff, like you said, a lot of it, it it can be you know very meditative, almost you know repetitive to the point of chilling out. Um, you know, but he yeah he he's definitely got more you know more in his case as far as you know the rela- the relaxed side of techno or ambient techno like you said uh than than anything a lot of the stuff that had come before him yeah it's like it's like techno without the glow sticks and the pacifiers yeah you know <laughs> <laughs> um so let's check out the first track um this one's called Aegisopolis and um yeah let's just check this out so we can kind of kind of hear what he's all about all right so this is aegisopolis from aphex twin
and that was Aegisopolis of Aphex Twin. And um, yeah, just, uh, you know, really that sums up basically what everything we just said, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, I haven't, um, I kind of want to, now that I've learned more about him, I kind of want to go and check out some of his more recent stuff, which I haven't heard any of, um, and kind of see what he's doing lately. Uh, have you yeah. heard anything recent? Uh, no, not not really. Like I said, I mean, the, the, the one that I love, you know, outside of the, the one in the book is, like I said, I, I care because you do. You need to definitely listen to that. If you if you haven't heard that, that that's a good collection of uh of material from him. I mean, like that was the first one I'd ever heard. And, um, that one, that one's really good. Okay. Yeah, I'll do that. Cool. Cool. And and I'll definitely look for just, you know, s- some recent stuff. I'm just curious, you know, what, what the guy's, what the guy's doing. I mean, if he can do this when he's 14, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm curious to see what he's doing now, but yeah. Um, yeah, so let's uh, move on to the the last track that we're going to play today, Delphium. And this is, again, you know, similar to uh, to what we played before. But um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you think of this track? Uh, just, you know, more, like you said, more along the lines of, of, of techno, like without the, the the rave aspect, so to speak. I mean, it's... It, to me, it, it, it's it's uh, it's something that that just helps me open up, you know. Where I, if I'm if I'm trying to sit and relax, and uh, you know, get whatever's needing to be done, like around my house or or at work, I can I can put this on and listen to it, and it just it just helps me to function better, you know. Um, and I I I know that he's like I said he's he's got some stuff that's that's definitely much more aggressive and 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 sometimes even I guess you you might want to even say scary. I mean he he's got you know quite a, a large catalog of, of songs that he's done on his own and, and in remixes for people where you know he's just he's just out there. That that guy he he's got like a work ethic like like Prince where he's got so much stuff I, I imagine that he's released and hasn't released that he's recorded. Um. Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, well, let's take out the show with um this song. Uh this is Delphium of Aphex Twin.
All right, that was Delphium of Aphex Twin. And that's going to do it for this week's 1000 Recordings Podcast. Next week, uh, just to give you a little uh, tease for next week, we have some Arcade Fire. Um, We have some classical music, uh, Martha Agrarich playing Prokofiev and Ravel. We have some Louis Armstrong, some Arrested Development, and some Fiona Apple. Yeah, I, I I can't wait to talk about Fiona Apple. Her her story of how she came to be, I guess, in the recording business is very interesting. Well, good. I'll look forward to that because I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. Do you know much of about Arcade Fire? Uh, somewhat. Definitely know that they're they're extremely popular and uh and won some Grammys just recently. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I you know. I think we're going to have to, you know, dig a little deeper because I, you know, as far as, you know, what I've seen on TV and heard on the radio, which is very little, uh, no, not much about them. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. I'm looking forward to uh, talking about uh, Martha Agrarich. She's one of the greatest classical pianists, uh, really of the last century. Um, and, uh, she's going to be showing off her stuff definitely in these concertos. Um, we've got some good stuff, man. Louis Armstrong, yeah. rest of development. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to uh talking about that stuff definitely yeah this the uh, the last two we just talked about you know armstrong obviously just oh such such a legend and and in arrest development too they 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 had they had an interesting period there in the i guess in the early 90s where where rap was kind of crossroads uh so Mm -hmm. to speak so that's gonna be fun yeah um cool man well if you guys want to send us an email, please do at 1000recordingspodcast at gmail.com. You can go to the website at 1000rp.blogspot.com and you can join us on Twitter at twitter.com slash 1000rp. You can also uh, fan us on Facebook. And if you get a chance, and we would really appreciate it, go to iTunes and uh, leave us a rating and review that would help us greatly. And I'm actually going to read um, a review on today's show. (laughs) And we're going to be doing this um, for reviews that we get. I mean, I don't know if it's, if it's a bad review. Hey, maybe we'll read the bad review. That would be fun. Uh, You know what? I'll I'll take whatever. If if it's good, if it's bad, (laughs) Any anything that that puts us on the radar, I I welcome, you know. Yeah. And I'm and I'm sure you know there there's somebody out there that has you know, you know, plenty to say about you know what we've done if if they're listening. Oh but, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, sure. I'll take whatever. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna read a five star review we got from Karen N. And Karen says. This is an ingenious idea for a podcast and a great way for people to hear important recordings in addition to seeing them listed in the book that started it all. Thanks for thinking of it. So thanks, Karen. That was a nice review. And uh, yeah, just uh, we'll be doing that periodically. So if you get a chance, go and leave us a review. And um, again, thanks for everybody uh, to everybody for listening and making comments. And we appreciate, you know, any comment or question that uh, you want to pose to us we really do so um yeah so we'll see you next week mitch for another show
always a pleasure, man. Uh, I know this week was you were tired, I was tired. Um, you know, that's that's just life. But I, I'm still enjoying this. Uh, still having a. Uh, you know, lots of fun, you know, digging deep and, and learning about music and learning about things that, you know, some things that I know somewhat about and some things I know nothing about, you know, but, uh, you know, it's the experience is, is still uh, still fresh and still fun. And, uh, you know, looking forward to next week. Yeah, definitely. All right, man. Well, we will see everybody next week. Later. All right. Bye bye. Dime, Tigreso. Te lo voy a dedicar, mi vida. Lo que pasa es lo siguiente. Con beso eléctrico y todo, así. Porque esto te va a poner a vibrar. Esa es la música que vibra en la emoción misma del amor. Es un tema, por favor, que quisiera que cada uno de ustedes escuchen este pedacito. ¡Vámonos! ¡Arráncala! ¡Uy! No, no, pero viene otra parte que me encanta más. Aparecen, por favor. Esta es la partecita. ¡Me mata! ¡Me mata! ¡Qué bueno es el amor! ¡Viva el amor! ¡Eso es! ¡Tremendo! Pero por favor, ustedes quieren esta partecita, pero vamos a escucharla completa. Vamos a escucharla completa porque es algo que nos anima y que de alguna manera es un encuentro con esas cosas poderosas del espíritu. Mami, te extraño.